you're on my time, I can reclaim it. Reclaiming my time. The solution is with women. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. I say jump back, honey, jump back. You got to decide. Do you want to be Nat Turner or Ike Turner? You do not get to be both. Hi, I'm Muchachi. And I'm Aisha. And this is Inside the Pink, where we do a deep dive into the pink folds of the woman, exploring the experience from the inside out. Aisha, how you doing? I'm doing well today. How are you? Lovely. Yes, we're excited, as always, for our topic today. So, let's get right into it, because we have a lot to discuss. Mm -hmm. Today's episode is entitled... Wig. Where's my wig? Hopefully we'll be snatching a few I wigs I think we should snatch end. a couple of wigs, yes. yes. We, always, we always aim to do that anyway. <laughs> so, I guess you can lead us with a definition. Okay. So, a wig, as according to Merriam-Webster, is a manufactured covering of natural or synthetic hair for the head. Which is pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. So what does it mean to you, wig? Wig. Um, so I don't wear them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did wear them when I was in college. I wore one. Somebody had introduced me to this super cool um, Diana Ross curly wig. And yes. it was the only thing that I could wear that would like, I would be able to like, I would be able to blend my own hair with. Okay, because it was curly. Because it was curly. Yeah. So I could kind of like, if I gelled the front of my hair enough, I could get away oh, with was like, look. yeah, and I wore it for like, I would just replace the wig and I would, this was a $25 wig and I yes. was just like, you know, every other month I'd replace it. I'd buy a new one. And then, but as far as that, I really wish I want to get into lace fronts. I want to get into, um, these like U parts. It was a U part. U part. It was a U part wig. Okay. So I left a little bit of my hair in the front, and then those are great actually. And I had all, and then I was able to like hide it with all of the bushy hair. With like it was big and bushy. It was really Mm -hmm. it was so cute. That's my only experience with wigs. Mm -hmm. I've done weaves. I haven't done them in almost six or seven years. And it's more because they just, I always feel like they don't look good on me. So I've stuck I to I haven't seen you, so I can't. I love you in a braid. I love you in a faux lock. Did I see you in a faux lock? Yeah, faux lock. Yes, yes. Yeah. That was cute. I When I think about wigs, I think about versatility. Mm-hmm. I think about Regine on Living Single. And every single episode, she had a new look. And it was part of her character. It's mm-hmm. actually because she didn't want to overprocess her natural hair. So they were so great to her on that show. She was like, let me wear wigs because I don't want to be doing all this to my hair so they worked it in and made it a part of her character so i think about regine i think of there was this and this is just like sidetrack mm-hmm. um there was an episode i was watching a couple nights ago when i was supposed to be asleep and i didn't yes. and there was the episode with her and i think it's khadisha khadisha, khadisha the queen of mm-hmm. character uh-huh. and they were working together on some like uh, advertisement and yes. she had this bomb ass page boy wig she, and she was wearing this black and white outfit and I was like this is a look she used to do it like her but I mean wigs are fashion but she really shows how a wig can be an accessory oh because it was goodness. always it was a look so I think about that I think about versatility I can I actually realized before that we started shooting I was like I can't remember if I ever worn a wig but I did when I was in college I wore the three quarter wigs the ones that you leave like the front of your hair out Mm -hmm. and then you um, snap them in and as a college student it was so perfect because they were like super affordable and he would be like why is your hair different like I was basically like Regine I would be curly and brown on Monday Tuesday long and black Wednesday short and black Mm -hmm. it didn't matter because I could keep my hair cornrowed underneath and yeah for me weaves represent versatility and just ease like I'm super active I run every day I salsa dance three four five times a week sweat I like my bubble baths and to not have to really be putting heat Mm -hmm. and or even because you know running and stuff messes with your twist outs everything it's just so easy for me than to have my hair be healthy you know underneath so that's what it represents for me but I guess we can go all the way back to ancient Egypt to kick off our exploration there was a, there's a whole history behind adorning hair so we start with the Egyptians Egyptians are n- known for the earliest wigs um, and they were made with human hair palm leaf, palm leaf fibers and wool can I just interrupt it's mm-hmm. important to note you said wool because 
because you know when we look in Hollywood you would think oh where where did wool have a place in a wig the fact that they were making these bad boys out of wool and they were often plates or braids right. should just tell you something about what ancient Egypt looked like <laughs> um, some of the men would actually use gold pins to pin like a braid of wool and to signify their status yes throughout the ages if you are it's only when you are intentionally balding that mm-hmm. is deemed attractive if you are balding because of alopecia or if you're balding because you know something is happening with your disease whatever um it's never been attractive so yeah. they've Throughout the ages, human beings have always tried to hide the loss of hair. It's something about virility, too, mm-hmm. especially for men. I mean, with women, we know that hair, beautiful, long, bouncy mm-hmm. hair is a sign of health and fertility. But for men, it's almost I almost feel like they 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 bald so soon, first of all. I just realized I feel bad for so many men. They really do start balding rather early. Yeah. Um, but it's almost like a sign of their their virility is yeah. like taken away when they kind of start balding. So then we go from Egypt and then it jumps to most um reports jump to Europe in the fifteenth century where hairstyles start to become really intricate, especially wigs. Uh during the seventeenth century, powdered wigs with curls and waves become popular in America and Europe. So those wigs were called perukes, and they indicated status. So they would be really big. I mean, with you know Marie Antoinette, like these are the the doing the most the visuals that you think of. Like that was it. Like the very powdered, very high. They weren't always completely wigs. Mm-hmm. Some of them would be a calf. Some of the rest would be like real hair, and it indicated status. If you didn't wear a wig. You were usually poor. Mm-hmm. Um, it also protected you from the sun. And then they would go through great lengths to, once again, hide their thinning or balding hair. And mm-hmm. then that, so the thicker the wig, the more likely there was no hair underneath. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Which so. is, um, and then the birth of Peruk is disputed. Mm-hmm. It said that, uh, and you can, Aisha's going to speak more on this, is that King Louis was going bald and he wanted mm-hmm. to hide his baldness. And others say that it was started to hide baldness caused by patients who um, suffer from syphilis. And then there's a third account saying that King Louis had syphilis and was balding because of the syphilis, and then therefore the Peru was birthed. That's so funny. I actually think that third one is it's probably road. the third one because <laughs> <laughs> it was um, the during that time. So it's, this is King Le- Louis the. 13th, who is right mm-hmm. before the famous Sun King. And this is a time when Versailles is becoming like the cultural epicenter of Europe. And this is a time when like absolutism is beginning to reach its height. And it's all about decadence and luxury and patroning the arts and, you know, extravagance. What you think of when you think of like Marie Antoinette? And so Louis the 13th was balding that we could, I don't know, we probably, probably we did have syphilis, like but yeah. we can come to the conclusion he was definitely balding, and that's why he started wearing the wigs. And then obviously Louis XIV, uh, the Sun King, took it to a whole nother level with the wigs. And Charles II, he is the reason why it really took off in Britain, and he was exiled after his father was uh, murdered, and it was sort of these brief interregnum period where Oliver Cromwell takes over, and so the monarchy is gets kind of like down with the monarchy. Mm-hmm. And so he is in exile in France for most of that time. He comes back, and that's when he becomes uh, king, and the monarchy is restored. But basically, his formative years are spent in France, where he's inevitably under the influence of King Louis the Thirteenth and King Louis the Fourteenth, and so he comes back, and honey, he's wearing wigs, like he's wearing this long, dark wig. And the interesting thing about Charles II is they actually sometimes described him as a black man. Mm. They said he was swarthy and he had this like darker skin and um, like you know, facial hair and his wig was very dark and black and he was Dutch and Italian descent. And I say Italian, I got to like, put a wink wink on it because we right. know. <laughs> right. So I really wonder if Charles II was Quote, also unquote, a, a little bit Tyrone. Like, <laughs> yeah, he, you know, what's so funny. I mean, like they're going to exhume his body one day and realize it. Like, yeah. oops. So, so, he, so he's the reason why it really took uh, took off in, in, in Britain. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this sort of rise of Versailles is because the French have always been known for soft power. And this is around the time, around the time when men start wearing wigs 
wigs and they start wearing wigs to even outdo like the women is mm-hmm. also the time when they're wearing more extravagant robes and now we're getting into cologne and men are really kind of taking on the ways of women and the reason is because two things are happening we're realizing that at this point in Europe you know we can't accomplish everything that we're going to accomplish through war right we're realizing war is really devastating, war is really inconvenient, and you're going to have to figure out not only how to make peace with your surrounding neighbors, but also how to keep peace within your country through soft power, through so attraction, the diplomacy, through attraction, through charm. And that's when France becomes this sort of cultural epicenter. And to this day, that's how France really wields its power in the world, not through its army, but because people love the idea of France. And that's when you start to see men uh, in power start to use attraction and charm and, you know, being fabulous to kind of keep the masses enamored with them. And that's when you start to see also on another level, the courtiers and everything imitating, imitating aristocracy. And that's when you start to see men really refine the art of seduction Mm -hmm. and they get it from women. Women already understood that there was power in captivation. They understood that there was power in being ornate and perfumed and that when you can command attention, you command power. And in some ways, these men were really taking from that realm of the feminine in order to have power for themselves. You know, what's funny is that Europe has been given so much uh, credit for wigs. Mm-hmm. When the, I think the ornate power of the wig really comes from Africa. Mm-hmm. Um we don't talk about it much because a lot of it has been lost through the slave trade. But mm-hmm. in West Africa, extensions and adornment were more likely to be were also used by all genders. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't necessarily wear wigs, but they would stretch and adorn their hair into these like amazing shapes and like in these shapes and these braids. Um, and then they would extensions were more so used, and they would use wool and they mm-hmm. would use you know um, various types of material to just like really make their hair like really extravagant. Yeah. And the way that we have always been, we've always given credit to Europe to do. I would think that it would be n- common knowledge that, to me, the versatility of hair mm-hmm. and using hair as a form of expression and captivation and style and fashion is something so intrinsic to the African diasporic experience. It is. But then when it comes down to like, when you look up the history of mm-hmm. hair and mm-hmm. wigs and extensions, it goes from Egypt to Europe. Well, no doubt Europe got it from Egypt because at that point, even when we're talking about like 17th, 18th century Europe, there were first a small amount of people who really knew how to make a wig. And then as more people bought them and it trickled down to laymen, more people learned. But no doubt that that art came from Africa. Right. Yeah, no doubt. As England, uh, you know, moves their power to America Mm -hmm. and America becomes um, independent, wigs start to lose their appeal. By the time the Civil War has passed in America, people are no longer wearing wigs. By the early 1900s, the wigs lose lose their appeal completely Mm -hmm. and don't even emerge until the late 1940s, but this time only as a woman's headdress. So we're seeing the same experience that heels had, Mm -hmm. where they lost their, you know, really lost their popularity and then don't emerge until after World War II and only women are wearing it again this time. I always wonder why that is. I wonder if that was part of the sort of puritanical idea and this, you know, wigs still have this I think in Africa it was about culture and celebration right. and, Af- and, and, and and most African societies have been a lot more liberal about adornment, right. if you will, and artifice if you will. Whereas I think in Europe there is a history of you have periods where adornment reaches its height, but it's usually for the aristocracy. Right. But for the most part women in particular have been kind of suppressed, en- yeah, and, suppressed yes. and encouraged to not wear makeup and this association with adornment and sin. And I wonder if that's why, you know, when America rises, you start to see wigs and things kind of fall out of favor. I don't know. Because, I mean, I know it's always in favor with vaude and like vaudeville and stuff like right. that. Right. It know? becomes almost a thing of caricature. That does make sense because it's another way to 
distance themselves from aristocracy and the ideas of monarchs and um mm-hmm. you know who's next in line to be king and that's that's thus the reason we had of a president and not a king was an intentional you know distinction yeah yeah um that's so great. and yeah i would assume that the wigs being kind of like because I, I mean we know that george washington wore wigs and then it kind of like died off after him and john adams mm-hmm. so i'm assuming it's just kind of like trying to separate themselves from I think so and also in europe they start to fall out of the favor after absolutism kind right. of fell out of favor and it was kind of like a rejection of that mm-hmm. so that's yeah that is quite interesting and now they're making a comeback from it so. right and i think <laughs> it's funny because it, and it's as they as wigs have gone in and out of style i mean they go out early 1900s like i said they come out and they'll come back again till late 1940s mm-hmm. 1900s the reason they kind of lost appeal i mean we, it was a shift in um ec- economy because mm-hmm. slavery had just ended also hairstyles had changed the pa- the page boy now became a big thing and the i want to call them i don't know if they were called finger waves at the time but like the waves had become a thing and yes. like in you know, part because of josephine baker right josephine, josephine baker ha- went to france and turned all the way up right and i and i think also <laughs> another thing was france being such a, um, being such an influence fashion-wise at this time now in the 1900s mm-hmm. had become France had become this fashion house yeah. and was influencing the rest of the world the rest of the western world yeah and that actually really begins during the time we just discussed of, right of, of Louis the 13th and 14th when France becomes this cultural epicenter the rest of the world sort of looks to to, to look to, to France to emulate them yeah. for you know their fashion sense which is something that's continued even now mm-hmm. definitely um, and then in the 60s, wigs become super popular again. Yes. I mean, it is so common for a woman to have dozens of wigs, for her to be seen with wigs. I mean, there's this scene in Dreamgirls. Well, Dreamgirls is one of my favorite films yes. where they flip their wigs from the back because they have cheap wigs <laughs> and they know they're cheap, but they flip it around to make it seem you know, to give themselves a look, jazz, give them jazz. jazz them up a little bit, um, and we see how they change their ways. And this is not only for black women; this is for all women, where they're all wearing big, you know, bold hair that's mm-hmm. like clearly you could not do with your own hair without the help of extensions. And the whole bouffant. I mean, people don't realize Jacqueline Kennedy always had a little hair piece. Yes, and her hair was very simple, but to get that thick look with it, and when, especially when she did those bouffants, mm-hmm. that was a special a sp- hair piece she had done in her for her in France. But it was very, but those buffant, really full looks needed that full look, extra hair. The the almost the helmet hair, um, helmet hair, yeah. Exactly. The yeah. you know the beehives and all those things required extra hair. And then the wigs die again. Um, it was Afro wig in the seventies. The Afro wig in the seventies. So look. now it's switching over <laughs> to. Um, black people, mm-hmm. um, and we could talk about how one of the reasons that wigs became uh, fashionable for black people is during the 70s i mean everybody wants to wear afro and not everybody can get the afro so you required a little bit of help mm-hmm. but then also being uh Respectability politics became a thing again mm-hmm. um, in the 80s and the 90s. So as we see the emergence of hip-hop in the late 70s going into the 80s, we also see this experimentation with, like, fashion and hair. So for black people, the, you know, extensions, the braids, the and the Back to Africa movement has influenced our hairstyles mm-hmm. and all of that. But for white women, it's becoming shameful to wear wigs. Today? At that moment. Oh, at that, at time. that point. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it becomes a little more shameful. Now it becomes a thing of like, and um, I think culturally, um, as we were going through our afros and hair is beautiful, they mm. were also removing the, in the same way that, you know, um, the revolutionaries were trying to remove themselves for England. Um, young America in the 70s was trying to remove themselves from the government that had failed us, Vietnam, mm-hmm. Nixon. So the wigs were a part of that and they were trying to shed themselves of that. So came the Woodstock and the hair. And yeah, the, the long hippie the hair. The long hippie and hair natural. and growing natural, na- their version of natural. Yes. So I think that as we begin, as black people begin to um, really experiment with the look of wigs, mm-hmm. they begin to shun it. That's interesting. I, I I never thought about that. There could be the connection. I think it's to a certain extent, it's always been there. I think mm-hmm. they, it's been more taboo to talk about it because they've always worn extensions and hair pieces. I just think it's been a little bit more. Whereas 
in in our community, it's totally been okay to on one day wear your Oprah wig and the next day wear your Diane Carroll wig. Like, and nobody's going to question why your hair is two different lengths and different different colors Monday and Tuesday. I think it's been a little bit more uh, hush hush, like something you don't really talk about maybe in the in the white community, but they certainly. Have, always worn it Uh, but I think for black women it's somewhat inevitable I think the emergence of wigs coincides with just more offerings for black hair care which happens in the 60s when we start to realize like oh this is a huge market Mm -hmm. these black women will spend a lot of money on their hair and so in addition to having the relaxers and the Marcel irons and all of those things you also had the wig options and we did we and I think in part it is because there's a respectability politics and there's Mm -hmm. a politics of having to do your hair but then also in part I think culturally speaking and I think this may just go all the way back to pre uh, transatlantic slave trade we've always had a, a connection between hair and versatility and self-expression I think right. that is something that is just endemic to our culture wherever you are in the diaspora hair is more than we've reduced it to identity politics. Right. Harris has been about celebration and adornment and yes. uh, just connection with family and because um so many women talk about and this is something that transcends time and mm-hmm. the trade and the ocean where doing hair was a time of bonding between women and or like even men or mm-hmm. the, you know ch- mothers with their children it was a time to bond with them time to take time and slow down and just like you know learn who your child was absolutely and even in hair salons like i my mother i couldn't wait to get my mother out of my hair oh god my mother just has no pet no patience i hate it when she did my hair so when i was 10 she started sending me to the salon to get that pressing curl mm-hmm. every two weeks and you know i was young and it would be all these grown women having these conversations i didn't fully understand back then now i kind of get it but but it was always this. I miss that. I really miss that now. Because when I when I go with my hair done, it's my hairstylist and just me. I just booked the appointment, it's just her. But it was a space yeah. of bonding, this communal space that we're probably losing now, actually. In yeah. part because of the popularity of weaves and YouTube and do-it-yourself, the natural movement. And, and how like you can get wigs essentially custom made for you you and sent to your house um you really literally only go to salons now to get styled some people still do weaves but like you know that i or if you're going to do like these really intricate styles that you can't do at home i think if anything natural hair salons are kind of like coming up they are the hair and we the hair has just been so much more for us than what we try to make it as this sort of like you're either natural or you're part, trying to be white. Right. It's there's it's definitely far more gray than what people try to make it out to seem. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely been a damned if you do, damned if you don't for black women when it comes to hair. Um, Tell me about it. And the frustrating thing as we kind of um, enter into recent times mm-hmm. is that really, honestly, the acceptance of wigs is that wigs are becoming a trend for a white woman again Mm -hmm. so the idea of women being okay with being openly okay with their wigs is Mm -hmm. because you know we know that Katy Perry can't have pink hair today and blue hair tomorrow so we Mm -hmm. know that there is a lace front happening and it's kind of been like accepted or we talk about Ariana Grande who's talked about having hair damage and in her new song Mm -hmm. you know you like G like my hair G thanks just bought it you know things like this have become more mainstream and popular and we have to talk about like almost as if it's an appropriation of hair and hairstyling I I do think that's part of it the fact fact that false hair if you will has gone mainstream Mm. i think part of it is also that we are we are in this time of where we're there's a a palpable rise in feminine consciousness and feminine power Mm -hmm. and we've had this discussion before i believe that beauty as in the type of beauty that is created adornment artifice is a form of power i believe captivation is a form of power if you can command attention you command a certain amount of power and i think women are rising out of this sort of repression mode where it's like be natural and they're flaunting mm-hmm. they're flaunt they're comfortable with the full makeup they're comfortable with you know experimenting with clothes they're comfortable with Wearing gray hair, if you're 27, dyeing your hair gray, like wearing your hair pink, wigs, weaves, all of that. And I think also uh, celebrity culture is at an all-time high. 
Yeah. And celebrities have always worn lace fronts. But now that Instagram makes everybody a bit of a celebrity, YouTube makes everybody a celebrity and you've got all these gurus. I think all of those things that were once these very cloistered um, practices, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that Beyonce wears lace fronts that, you know, that lace fronts go back to I mean, theater, vaudeville, Hollywood. But now that everybody can participate in celebrity culture and it's accessible money wise, I think that's part of why we've seen a normalization. And I think just YouTube has a big had a lot to do with oh, it. Yeah. Definitely, because wigs have become emas, almost a luxury item, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, they're they're extremely affordable. Like, really well-done pieces are also very affordable. And then drag culture. Drag culture has also... Do you remember that day on Twitter? I was like, what... Um, why do you think I the the focus of the face went to eyebrows? When you look back in like the eighties, we wore eyebrows like Brooke, Brooke Shields. The nineties, they were terribly Super thin. thin. <laughs> Thank God we got out of that. And I think it's in the two thousands. And then all of a sudden, we this entered with this big dramatic. Eyebrow, yeah. Like we sometimes over doing the most. And you were the one because people were drag like culture. eyebrows on a fleek was part of it. Yeah. And then you were like drag, drag culture. culture, and we've taken the concept of drag and applied it to ourselves right so in some ways drag was an exaggeration of femininity and then women took that exaggeration of femininity and put it on themselves right and i think i've, I've always said this that drag culture and uh just uh the culture of black women have always bartered and borrowed from each mm-hmm. other so yes. um we tend they we tend to pick from each other and then the rest of the world picks from those two cultures as far as um, and makes it mainstream. Absolutely. I think YouTube, especially reality TV, put drag culture and even gay culture front and center. Up front, yep. So, yeah, we normalize these um, practices that come from the theater, come from the film world, and were once very hush-hush. I mm-hmm. mean, I remember in the—I was having a discussion about um, Robin Givens' weave and Boomerang. It's phenomenal. It's 1992. So if you understand it was 1992, that was a great, great, great weave for 1992. Because back then, like, people weren't really Mm -hmm. doing things like that. And or even looking at Diana Ross's weave in the 80s. Like, people didn't have access to that kind of hair. And, I mean, it was flawless. So numbers actually show that relaxers Mm -hmm. increased during that time in order for people to blend in their hair. Blend in with their weaves? With their wigs and their weaves. Is that what they Their wigs and their weaves? Yeah. So they said that. In the 80s? Yeah, in the 80s and 90s, it increased. Yes. the number of pe- of black women getting relaxers and straighteners in order to be able to get Bl- get the fake hair, styles, but yeah. that's when it was really like just emerging. Yeah. And you had to have some. You had to have some money. Yeah. Let me tell you, the first real weave I had was at age seventeen, maybe, and it was preparing for my cotillion. So my mama took me to Madison Avenue, honey. It was you know, cause, you know, it was a whole to do. That weave was. $700, and I think that's maybe not including the hair. Oh, my God. Yes. But today, I don't think it would be that expensive. This is, I'm not going to tell you how old I am. So if you were thinking that was about to happen, it's not. But <laughs> but it, the, the industry has changed so dramatically just between the time that I was 17 and today that getting access to the hair I had and to somebody with the skills just in that span of time has changed tremendously. The $50 quick weave shop was a thing. That was a game changer. Yeah. I'm just like... That was a game changer. Oh, I remember and my mom was not doing the weave thing with us when I was... I What I ended up doing for prom because I know my mom was not interested in getting me human hair Mm -hmm. because that was the thing. I wanted human hair. Yes. And she was not getting it for me. So I ended up getting Invisi braids for prom. Oh, those are really tiny micro so braids? So really tiny micro braids. Yeah. It was, so they braided up to like maybe like a quarter, like about an inch. Yes. And they leave the rest I of it. I had those in high school. So you basically had to relax your hair before it. Mm-hmm. And then you would get it in and then you'd curl it or whatever. And the human hair extensions, yes. I think, cost me like a hundred and something dollars yep. for the extensions as opposed to the, f- you know, three for five, you know, Kenny Kalan hair. That was, that, per- that was the look back then. It was perfect. Yeah. And so I was like, I can't get, this is the closest thing I can get to a weave without it being cheap. Yes. And, it, you know, I could curl it. I could yeah. do whatever I want with it. It was perfect. That was a look. Um, I rocked that in high school too. But now, and then we get into the era of bundles and having and to buy. And it's just open. It's just uh, open. <laughs> just, we talk about it. Men know what a bundle, uh, yeah. men know what bundles are. Men know not to, don't be all up in her hair trying to feel her scalp. Like, it's decoration. 
It's people have finally and uh, it's like I, this guy was on Twitter and he said, have you ever tried to use your girl's wig as a duster for your PSP for your PlayStation 2? And I screamed. And he was and then another guy was just like, it's better than a ShamWow. I was like, oh, my God, you guys. First of all, you'll be you will be I hurt like, if somebody knew you. Can you imagine wig. using her four hundred dollar bundle? Not my good. Not my good wig. Her good wig <laughs> to dust your damn console. I was like, you know, you guys are insane. But that's Absolutely. how we've come to that it's point normalized. where we talk about jokes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, you have people who are convinced that. And there is some truth to this where, like you said, we've talked about this. Respectability politics do play a major part in how many of us do our hair. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there is this discussion that black women do not love themselves because they have learned to we have the ability to switch our hair up and down, do whatever mm-hmm. we want with our hair. We wear blonde hair. We wear green hair. We mm-hmm. wear red hair, teal hair. Shout out to SZA. Um, yep. Like, you know, we have all of these different... Tiana Taylor is a great example of somebody who does, um, like, fantastic hair. Yes. What She looks amazing. She has done so many different styles. I love looks it. fantastic. Cape for everything. Everything is great. Yeah. Um, Brianna. Brianna. Beyonce. Yeah. These mm-hmm. are people who have, you know, really. It's what we do. Just shown us how we can flip hair up and down. Mm-hmm. You know, what's funny is that a lot of people have recently found out that Brandy, she was wearing a micro a wig. wig. And I'm so happy for her because I used to be thinking like, oh God, one, I had the braids you talked about, the micro braids. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I think I got them maybe once or twice and wouldn't get them again is because they took so long. And then getting them out is a whole nother story. So I praise God that she was really not sitting in because her her braids were always fresh. She did talk about I think she (laughs) wised up because there was an interview where she talked about like getting them done. Uh And I think that what after a while she was like, I actually will not be doing this anymore. And then like because she would probably ended up happening was that they would do the front and then they yes. would leave the, the they would they would get a, like a half a u-wig or a half wig yeah, and then that's smart so, so they were way smart. ahead they were actually very way like very much ahead of the times because mm. now we have nobody gets their hair braided they it's all wigs yep it's all wigs cornrows micro braids look all the all that time crochets have crocheting has changed the game like hair has we've become so innovative with hair Mm -hmm. um but we've i mean and the thing is i think now there's accessibility now we can do all these things because the cost has come down right because asia like yeah (laughs) honestly no absolutely asia has absolutely (laughs) made it has made it cheaper Um, they've also created ways to make textured hair so now like you don't have to buy or it's synthetic hair that you can actually heat yeah there's so many there's There's so much so many things that's gotten into it but we've just always been so innovative even when we were just rocking wigs like we just when even when i just think back to being a little girl and the women that i saw uh either the one who went to my mother's church or looking at my aunts or just even if they weren't wearing fake hair it was you know they had the finger waves one day the another day it was you know it was just always we just always that's what we do with our hair i mean we just it's a it's a form of expression for us it, it is. is it's a and it's unfortunate i feel one of the things i think it's unfortunate is just how we all haven't accepted that it's just truly like another way of adorning ourselves it is i i remember especially in college i used to switch back between um some days i would do my wigs Mm -hmm. and then other days i would just rock my hair natural so if you went to college with me you saw me in afros plenty of time you saw me in afro puffs and then the next day you would see it straight down my back and i just didn't care it was just hair for me but i think part of the shaming particularly with african-american women let me just say y'all know i started working in tv i'm just gonna say this when i worked on tv i was in a diverse newscast there was some black there was some white we all had weave yeah now, if you had asked the viewing audience who has a weed, they would probably point it to me. Right. But we all had weave. And that's where I like tried. <laughs> oh, I was, uh, I tried to like, I get to about white women have hidden yeah. their, their. And there's the assumption. And, and even if they do it, there's no stigma really right. truly attached. And you're even not. The whole like, because Kim Kardashian, the Kardashians all wear weaves. Mm-hmm. And. They are very open with it. And their openness with it is kind of like applauded. Mm-hmm. Whereas the black women that have been doing this and have been questioned. Yes. 
are always it's a they're ridiculed for it or they're it's a caricature or like I said they don't they're said that they don't love themselves mm-hmm. there's this um, I was reading an article about a woman who said that, uh, you know, a woman came up to her and was like, is this your real hair? And it's like, nobody would ever think to ask a white woman, is this your real hair? That is when a lot of them question. are walking around with pieces it's in their the hair. Rudest, I mean, especially these days. I have conversations with women of all races, Hispanic women. We talk about, I talk with my Hispanic friends, we talk about weave. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I got, they may do the clip-ins or whatnot, but it's the same. But I think a lot of that is anti-blackness yes. because like you said damned if you do damned if you don't we ridicule black women and their studies have been shown that there are actual biases against black women when they wear their natural hair yes. and then we ridicule women when they wear weave um, men do the same thing they don't want you if you got you know 4C but then wear weave and it's like oh but I want a woman with natural oh you want a woman that's natural curly hair yeah, you want <laughs> like, a, you want someone with naturally 3A yes, hair so it's anti it's actually we've it's anti-blackness. It's a way of, you know, hating black women. Right. But you use hair as an excuse. And I want to be honest because I'm not going to just indict men. Women do it to each other. We are some of the harshest critics about other people's hair. One of the reasons, and I I would say this on every platform that I'm on, one of the reasons that the whole black fishing thing was so successful is mm-hmm. because we lust, we black women lust for these very fair biracial looking women with these three a hairs to look at as like our own we look at them as like the symbols of beauty ourselves Mm -hmm. so they were able to get that far because we ourselves put them on this pedestal it wasn't just the men we were looking at them as like this is what we want to look like this is what we want children to look like this Mm -hmm. is what we want to have this is what we wish we had and that's why they were successful and that's why these white girls were successful in doing what they did because of the they they put on, and funny enough, a lot of them ended up putting up a textured lace front um, in order to confuse us or That's to confuse people. Yeah. And it's, and so these ambiguous looking women were able, like, because we want, we want them to be the standard of beauty. Mm-hmm. So they were able to, to blackfish. Because of that, because that's something we uh, admire right. within the community. And I remember, um, I remember the Pam Oliver uh, fiasco where uh, she went out I guess one day with a, with a wig that black women did not find appropriate Pam and Oliver was Pam Oliver's ESPN. a uh, she maybe Fox okay sportscaster and I think she may not I'm not sure she's still working with the network but I know she was let go from that network and black women just had at it and I remember when I was on the news and I had a weave because I was not going to press my hair every single morning and be bald but it was Florida and it was humid and it was very hard oh, and a live shot for my for me to keep my hair. I would try and try and try. And if I had a bad day, emails. And that's why I said on the grapevine once that to a lot of black people, black edges matter more than black excellence. Like our obsession with edges is beyond you just wanting to like blend hair or have a nice little frame to your face. Like it has to do with this sort of obsession with the certain like grade of hair. A grade of hair, texture yeah, of hair but... to prove that we you are not as mm-hmm. uh, black as the next girl. Yes. And I say that to say I'm not going to put it all on other races and I'm not going to put it all on men. Like for speaking as two and we know we have a diverse uh, viewing audience but just speaking right now as two uh, women of the diaspora black women can police the hell out of each other particularly when it comes to hair and I've never really quite understood that and it's anti-blackness it all stems from that and Mm -hmm. it's from not wanting to and it's also from the idea that we sometimes fall into the ideology that we're a monolith so you represent me i represent you so if your edges are bad everybody looks at me crazy (laughs) and it is that and so that's really what it is it's like if i don't have good edges you don't have good edges because now everybody thinks that your edges are trash too and everybody is afraid Um, so you you check your you want to make sure like girl like your wig is terrible go fix it because you don't want anybody to think that you're with me when this bad wig when it really has nothing to do with you but because we think that we because we Society has forced us into a position where we are essentially a representation of each other, yes. even when we don't want to be. Don't want to be. Look, I, I am my sister's keeper, but she is she, she and I am me, child. Yeah, <laughs> so if her edges are trash, her edges are trash. Her that edges. has absolutely nothing to and do with me. And it is what it is. That's and, it. But, you know, I would never let my, you know... Somebody I love walk out the house with bad edges. But if... if And that's bad edges. Edges yes. as in, like, 
she's lost her edges because she did something crazy to them. I see. Because we assume that edges are bad when we don't slick them down. Look, let me tell you, I don't you know. slick an edge every day. I'm going <laughs> to tell you right off the bat. I'm like, you already know. You know how this hair goes out of my head. It doesn't go straight. I just, you know, some days you some days you get a slick edge and some days, some you, days get, you get Aisha K fans. And that's that's it is really what it is. <laughs> but I, I think about like some of the greatest moments in like black women's history. Pam Oliver, who had an exceptional career broadcasting, which as a black woman is that's a big deal. If you look at Condoleezza Rice, we made a big deal of her hair. One day Michelle Obama had the nerve to wear a, a ponytail. And I'm being facetious. She looked great in the ponytail. But people ha- had yeah. nearly passed out because she because she stepped off of Air Force One in a ponytail like she was on vacation guys um even Gabrielle Douglas this woman flipped for her life but we were focused on the fact that her edges her were not laid I mean like he... <laughs> just the greatest moments in black women's history had the potential to be ruined by our preoccupation with slick edges like thank god there was no edge control in the day of Harriet Tubman. People would be like, yeah, I know she she rescued all those people, but God, her edge, like, really? You know, funnily enough, I actually <laughs> think that was a conversation. I mean, like, we've, we've created ways to handle, like, to create certain, like, textures and stuff like that. Yes. But I even think during that time, there was a thing of, like she's doing this work but she's you know the, the hair the texture the, the hair texture and the hair grade or dark skin we've just the the conversation has just evolved mm-hmm. like you can't lay your edges down it usually is has something to do with the fact that you have the wrong texture of hair mm-hmm. or your skin is getting too dark in the sun dark skin you don't want it so it the what we've done is just evolve the conversation absolutely i've i've said this before on the i said this on a grapevine episode mm-hmm. even when we don't want it to Hair is political. Yes. And because it's political, it becomes very difficult to navigate. And so when you simply want to just make your hair look beautiful, unfortunately, in our situations, many times we are not only making our hair look beautiful, but we are also taking a stand mm-hmm. and the and it it's and the, to take a stand to choose what to do with our hair is revolutionary it is i think you know for women in general throughout history we've talked about i think in our first episode we talked about even sumptuary laws we have policed female beauty right and i think in part because we're enamored with female beauty mm-hmm. but also assaulted by female beauty because i think when you see a beautiful woman particularly as a man for a moment there's this almost paralysis you're right. powerless in the face of and i don't mean beauty in the sense of this narrow ideal that you're given like the beauty that you got to go buy at the doctor if you weren't you know that's the beauty that is created by racism and classism and you know that's that manufactured beauty that we give people to perpetuate systems of oppression. But I'm talking about, in general, seeing a woman who was confident and has embraced what she brings. And on one hand, it's an amazing thing. On the other hand, I think particularly within a patriarchy, we suppress it, we stifle it because it's, right. a, because it's a form of power, because men literally feel assaulted by a beautiful woman. I mean, if you really look at the words that we use to describe female beauty, striking, knockout, drop dead like men literally feel assaulted by and so on one hand there's an obsession with it but on the other hand there's this desire to police it so i think in general wigs being like embodying the idea of female adornment just adornment for the sake there is no purpose you don't need it. Yeah. It's just just like you don't need red lipstick. You don't need mascara. You don't need coal around your eyes. You don't need jewelry. It's a dormant. I'm doing it to engage the senses because I want to. On one hand, there's a desire to police that. And then if you put the layer of blackness on top of that, then you have black women. Then it's a whole nother layer of policing. Right. And, you know, and we've touched on this before. Um, there's a... T- a bit of jealousy you know with men men cannot the way that they can't wear heels without looking a certain way Mm -hmm. unless you're prince unless you're prince (laughs) unless you are prince you cannot you can't wear um wigs even though things are changing things oh well i i read that the projection for the global hair market by 2023 is 10 billion and the growth is coming from from men. men 
So like, and I, I love that, and it's because the technique has gotten so much better. So now barbers can do it. So it's like you're. Gonna have have to, you seen those on Instagram? The yes, transfer? honey, do it. I don't even care if my man the the way I see these transformations and these men come out looking 15, 20 years younger. Right, do it. Go for it. I will not judge you. I've not. I was like, you know, because the technique is so much better, it looks great. So, great. and that's usually what the issue is. If it looks good, nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> they same thing with the weight. That's honestly to me. I don't care if you walk a weave as long as it looks good. It's always been the issue. I think it's it has to look good. It's if look, it looks like you are wearing a toupee, <laughs> there's a problem. It's same thing for women. You know, the weave can't be on crooked. It can't be cr- crunchy. It's, but as long as it looks good, do it. Some guy was just like, just oh, I think it was like <laughs> I think it was Shiggy. Um, the guy who does a shiggy dance from yes from drake yes and yes. he was talking about how meek mill because meek mill decided to come out of his face and tell a woman to stop wearing wigs because he took a wig off while having sex with the woman okay. side note if don't a wig bothers you when you're ha- if you, a don't wig have slides sex with her. How about off that? first off if it bothers you then don't you are clearly her. not doing your job right if right. you're already having sex and right. this That's is true. what bothers you That's you should true. toss that across to the room you should put it on yourself you should do everything but be bothered by oh, it yeah. because it's not the concern at the moment right so I, I was really thoroughly confused by Meek Mill anyway but you're gonna go around and shame a woman she was good enough to sleep with but but, but she's got this wig on so now you have to so shame her a have a seat fellow so I was like <laughs> I was very bothered by Meek Mill's uh, yes I can't I really can't. Deciding to give this a story. People, people I, get a moral moral compass after they ejaculate. Yeah, I was like, this is really embarrassing <laughs> for you, sir. But um, so she was like, don't listen to Meek Mills. Because he was like, I actually, he was like, I, we don't mind the wigs. We know why you wear them. It's fine. Just make sure you blend the middle where the, the where that the net is. Just blend it in. And I was, just, it made me laugh because I was like, yeah, that's really it. As long as you, you know, bleach that, bleach the netting, the lace. Oh, true that's gotta match that's why i can't mess with the lace front because it to me is a science and i feel like i'm not detail oriented to really get that just make sure just you know pluck the the front a little make sure the the lace is like you know the right color and things will be fine you know it nobody is stressing you out about nobody will stress you out about it like we just make sure the it's low enough but not too low see you have the forehead for it look at my forehead i have a for you guys who can't see my forehead i have a widow's peak so if I put a lace front, that bad boy is going to be See, that's that a, I can never wear that's a lace front. That's actually why I won't wear a lace front because my when I get my eyebrows done. Yes. I my eyebrows and my hairline touch. Oh, you know what? See, see, your mine is the center. The yeah, way yours is the sides. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work. It's got you gotta have a, you have to have a certain type of forehead. So a apparently, for it. people tell me I can do it. Just the thing is, is that I would have to have a really good lace, and I was like, that means money. It's a lot. Um, <laughs> that sounds like I'm a five thousand okay. dollar wig. <laughs> It's okay. I'm gonna stick to my brain. Right. <laughs> I was like, I, I, that sounds like a really expensive wig. Yes. I'm not. I don't need it. It's fine. Let, it's okay. Let me say this in regards to men wearing the lace fronts. It looks fabulous if they know what they're doing, and it beats the hell out of that black marker. <laughs> oh, it's far better than the shoe shine <laughs> it's stuff. Not. So that black marker thing. I mean, I guess if you had to have like a little tip tap, you know, just a little bit around the edges. But for people who want to draw on their entire hairline look and see we we don't shame you over that but you know how many of us have thought it we just quietly Ooh. move on Ooh, that is that is not just get a lace front That's I, not it. I just hope that they last a while what the lace front yeah i wonder because they're because men have to get their hair cut so often so i don't know that sounds that sounds like an expensive undertaking for mm. real but you know what a lot of men to me look so sexy bald i mean yes. maybe i'm thinking about i guess maybe just the men i like but just like look at like common for example like fine bald i don't think i would like him as much if he had hair i mean i think what it is is like hair for i mean with, despite not growing yet the mm-hmm. way that we grow it hair does also signify some type of status mm-hmm. and health Yes. Um. So I think even men, even when they're going balding, is very difficult to let that go. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. You're right. You know. Also, we didn't touch on this. Hair also symbolizes, uh, sort of having supernatural powers. Right. So if you look at like Samson and Delilah. Right. And cutting off his hair is equivalent of cutting off his, his strength. His yeah. strength. But also, uh, they say that one of the reasons why 
regents and kings always kind of had long hair from the Franks to the Gauls, even ancient Egypt, is because there was association with uh, power and having almost like a supernatural connection if your hair was long. Right. And so that's why it started really in the aristocracy of wearing the wigs. Mm-hmm. It was like to play up almost their like supernatural connection, if you will. And I think maybe even today, like subconsciously, we still associate the same thing with the long flowing hair. So we know it's fake, but it's still just as mesmerizing. Yeah. I mean, like we see, I mean, you see somebody with like really long braids. Uh, my braids, my braids are. I love them. To my, or past my ass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, but it's just the length is alluring. Even yes. despite the the fact that we we all know that this mm-hmm. is it's majority extensions, but it's gorgeous. That's it's- what beauty is. Beauty is a form of genius. I say that all the time. It's created and it's it's about artifice. It's about it's the act of putting right. on. It's it's play. It's not serious. It's right. not serious. And it's what, play. What better way to do that than to with a wig? Yeah, that's exactly it. So. That brings us right to I write to gratitude, and I need you to go first. So what are we write? I'm writing. Well, what are you writing? Well, since I'm first, um, I'm writing in my gratitude journal. I'm gonna give it to the hair. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been wearing braids for majority of my life. Um, I've worn weaves and all that stuff, but I realized that like I'm I'm a braids girl, mm-hmm. and in finding that, I decided to do faux locks. From majority of the stuff from like about July to December, and I've always dabbled in the thoughts of getting my hair locked, um, and that confirmed it for me. So I will be getting my hair locked mm-hmm. by before I turn before June. <laughs> oh my god, I'm really excited! Yeah, so I'm gonna get my hair locked, and I'm just I'm I'm ready for that journey, and I'm yeah. I'm so I'm I'm, gra- I'm grateful for. All the hairstyles that I've done in the past, yeah. all the things that I've done in the past with my hair, because um, it's finally coming to a close. Um, it's going to do this is a completely new journey, new direction. So mm-hmm. I love it. I'm going to play it up. I'm going to do the, the stuff that I've never done before in the meantime. So I have the long, big braids, the box braids that I've wanted to do my whole entire life. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to get a little bit of color in. You know, I'm just going to try and do a lot of things before. And I, I, you can, and I, you, I know that you can style locks, but you know, there's a lot of things that, like, you know, as before, especially I, in the growing process, in the growing process, yeah. I don't want to mess with it too much. Yeah. I want it to, you know, grow as organically as possible, so yeah. I don't want to mess around with it. I'm very excited. Um, for that. But yeah, um, so I'm just grateful. grateful for the versatility my hair has offered me. I've been natural yes. for over ten years, so I was doing a lot of different things, and it's just been amazing. And it's just a reminder of how amazing being a black woman is. It is. I mean, I'm also grateful. I've actually always been natural, and I'm grateful that I've been able to to be natural and wear my hair however the hell I want to wear it because because of hair extensions. Um, and I just right now, I think I'm really grateful for number one, my beautician, because she's always on call when she's not like traveling, which is all the time, but she's always on call. And I'm also grateful for just being able to wear my hair however I want to. Like when I was in news, I was very regimented. I had to wear my hair a very certain way. And there were always people who could weigh in and say, oh, I think it's too short. I think it's too long. Mm-hmm. I think it's the wrong color. Is this and that? Now, I love that, like, I have a voice. I've been given a platform where I can say whatever I want to say. And I could look however I want to look. I could wear what I want to wear. I could wear my hair the way I want to, the way I want to wear it. And I'm... I'm grateful for that. I'm also grateful for the funds, too, because, look, look, black women have versatility, but it's not exactly cheap. So I'm really grateful that I actually have the money to do what I want to with my hair. That's also a really beautiful thing. That's absolutely a fact. But even if I didn't, though, black women are creative. I well, we look, make a way. honey. I would, I would, I would, I would make a way. So, guys, if you want to find us, you can reach us at Instagram, uh, Inside the Pink Podcast. You can also email us with all your thoughts and your ideas, feelings, love, reactions. You just want to send us a hey, um, Inside the Pink Podcast at gmail.com. And we will see you next time. Peace and love, guys. Bye.